0: Today we are talking to Sana'il Al-Moyeddeen. She's an Associate Professor in the Rhetoric, Communication and Theatre Department at St. John's University in Queens, New York. We talk about mental health, being a caretaker in addition to being an academic and an advocate. We talk about stigma around mental illness, the role of religion, and the role of academia in raising awareness about mental health issues. But before we begin, I must urge you: please share this podcast with friends and family, and please, please review the podcast. This allows algorithms to pick up the podcast and make it visible to other folks with similar interest. Please support a diversity of voices in the podcasting world by liking, reviewing, and sharing this podcast. As-salamu alaykum sana. Alaykum as-salam. Thank, Thank you, you,
1: Saba, for having me with. You.
0: Oh, Thank you so much for coming on, especially because you're talking about a topic that is quite personal to you. And I know a lot of people are hesitant for very good reason to talk about issues that impact them on a personal level. And so I really appreciate you bringing light to a topic that quite near and dear to my heart, which is that of mental health. How did you get interested in this issue?
1: Well, to my interest peaked really when my son started having some mental illness issues and started going from one place to another, different factors and things like that, in order to figure out what's going on with him. So we, f- we figured out there were different diagnoses at the beginning, things that went from anxiety all the way to bipolar, and eventually they settled on something called schizoaffective bipolar. Now this is not very well known. It's uh, people know a lot about bipolar and depression and anxiety, especially when right now we think about COVID and things like that. There are a lot of people had anxiety and due to uncertainty and also depression, but these mental illness seem to be uh, forgotten and marginalized. So uh, it's important to talk about them and um, schizoaffective disorder, it's basically something that combines between schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is about illusions. There are different symptoms in there, but the, the majority of symptoms that come with uh, schizophrenia is either delusions or hearing voices, things in, of that nature, irrationality. And uh, if you look at it from a schizoaffective bipolar, then it's a combination of some schizophrenia symptoms along with depression, for instance. So that means for the person who deals with these things, it is a little bit of a difficult life because it impairs many things that they do during the day. And I, as a caregiver, I see that with my son on a daily basis and I think that my son and others who deal with any of these mental illnesses are really courageous people and fantastic and phenomenal because if you compare a little bit what we had happened to us during covid if you imagine all the depression and anxiety that we went through at the beginning when they just told us that covid is out there and we need to hide etc cetera, etc cetera, i'm sure many of us went through this mental health issues that are phenomenal that they have never experienced so now think about that and think about how it affects these people who live with mental illness on a daily basis every minute counts because it's that hard on a daily basis on a minute by minute and that is why it's an important topic to talk about and I'm grateful that you are giving us this space to actually address it here uh, within your community and uh, the Muslim community in general. So how
0: did being a caregiver uh, impact your life on a personal level but also in academia?
1: So it's um, I would say in two different levels. So One I, I like to see life in a positive stance so I don't like to talk about what in a negative way, but on one hand, it's the difficulty comes daily basis is a minute by minute. You know, that expression that says day by day. But right. mental illness, there's nothing like day by day. It's minute by minute, second by second, because things are impredictable. They change very quickly. And therefore, It is difficult in in a sense of uh, research and things like that, if you want to think about it. Just to be able to do my own research or uh, advance in academia in that sense, it's a little difficult. As a caregiver, I don't have that time. On the other hand, I think I was grateful and blessed to have Something like this happened in my life because it gave me a venue, it gave me a space to talk about the stigma within uh, mental health and mental illness in particular, uh, which I knew about it to some extent but I never was an advocate obviously before so right now I am an advocate in my research I'm an advocate in in interviews and other places in order to bring the stigma to stop one stigma at a time just I in other words I joined that community of destigmatizing mental illness and I'm really grateful for that because uh, it is a it is a thing that we don't pay as much attention. And if right. anything that COVID showed us is that it is time for us to start paying attention to our mental health. It's not just about the body. It's also about our brain that needs to be cleaning, cleaned from time to time.
0: 100%. Did you notice, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure as it is in many religious communities uh, or many insular communities, have you noticed stigma around issues of mental health within Muslim communities that you have moved in and out of over over the years?
1: Well, it's, it's uh, interesting that you ask that question, because uh, as you know, uh, I live in Queens, and I teach in St. John's University, and therefore our student body is very diverse. And uh, among The students, there's uh, Muslim uh, students as well as other different types of religion students. And this goes across the board. It's not necessarily attached to the Muslim community. But but I did hear from my students that, for instance, it's very difficult for them to talk to their parents about mental illness, be it anxiety, depression, or, or, or psychosis. And in many ways, things get dismissed. Because of things like, oh, that just little depression. Don't don't think about it. You move on. You can do this. Right. Right. Or anxiety, for instance, is not even thought of. It's like either it gets overused in many communities, for instance, in other communities that might not be Muslim necessarily. And you have seen it in social media and other places where anything becomes anxiety, right? Oh, I am anxious. I'll have anxiety. And therefore, it takes over from people with that mental illness, takes it away from their the difficulties that li- they live with. There's that side of it. And there's the other side of it completely, which we see in uh, some Muslim communities as well, where it's denied that anxiety is nothing. It's just something that you have to work through. For instance, you have anxiety to leave the house or to go. People would push you to just do your exams, to go and be as good as you you can be. And that's what I have noticed from my students as well and what they have uh, talked about. Uh, As a matter of fact, I have a little anecdote if you can allow me to share it. One of my students, uh, I teach public speaking and she could not do it because of anxiety and uh, it was just on the video actually I told her at first like just do it you know on the camera she could not do it so I asked her to just come in and, and give her speech in front of me and she could not do it so I asked her to actually write down uh, her speech instead of putting it on anything else to do it on mental illness and anxiety itself and how she is what is what does anxiety mean to her? How does she deal with it? How does she, how do her parents deal with it, etc.? And for some reason that actually helped her. And she came to my office and gave the speech and she talked about it in very passionately that just the denial, the fact that people or parents do not believe it is enough for a child to be or a student to not make that effort right right so just having someone who can hear her and someone who was able to say you know what you're not alone in here my son has some of these things and it's okay we work through it right so eventually we had a panel about mental illness because I'm very involved in this for this stigmatization whether it is in my personal life or academically Uh, So many times I have symposiums about mental illness and uh, I asked her if she wanted to be involved. She actually came. She said she wanted to be involved, not to talk, but she sat in the panel in front of everybody, many students and professors. And she sat there and she even answered one question. I was really proud of her because she pushed through something that is really difficult to push through. And uh, yes, anxiety, there are, it's a whole spectrum, obviously. Some people are able to uh, do little things like this. Others are not able to get up from their bed, right? Right. And it does not, to help coping and managing things like that, it needs different ways of, of dealing with it, right? So so where it starts is by parents, by society, uh, and I, everything that is in between to believe that this is a thing. It's not just laziness.
0: Right. I mean, have you also encountered religious explanations for? So one of the things that I've often encountered, whether it be in Muslim communities or Christian communities, judaic communities, is just be grateful. If you can just be grateful to God, uh, have you sort of encountered religious explanations of that kind or any other kind Uh, that people give, uh, whether that be in Muslim communities or other other religious communities, where people explain away mental illness by giving some kind of theological explanation?
1: Well, yes, I mean, this is not something new, right? We have been, uh, it has been around for centuries and years, right, where people have explained uh, for instance schizophrenia in particular right uh, it has been ex- explained in different religions about uh, being possessed right and you can find this in in different cultures and different religions and and I, uh, my background is not in theology, so I'm not going to be involved in that. However, what I can tell you is uh, I belong to some groups uh, with schizophrenia, people who deal with it, people who live with it. And the group's administrators, they uh, make sure to uh, exclude anything that has to do with gen, for instance, or anything that has to do with positions to not talk about it in that perspective. And this group has people who live with it, but also have, you know, different doctors, et cetera. And they talk about it, that it's a diagnosis is something that needs to be paid attention to. Right. In, in different ways. Obviously, the help of religions and God is very important as well, right? Because it gives us that spirituality, gives us that hope for the future and for the present, but also when there is a diagnosis, it's important to pay attention to what the the medical field is saying, because they have done a lot of advancements in these diseases. Unfortunately, not as much as we would have loved to have, because things like schizoaffective or schizophrenia, and many times... It's something that a person lives with during a lifetime, right? So right. it's very difficult to, to live with sometimes, but it's also uh, a blessing in many different ways, right? When you think about how people are so loving as well, right? With At least it has been my, my experience. And I'm not talking on an entire community here, right? Right. Um, So so I think it's a a combination. uh, uh, It's very important. Uh, I also think that raising awareness on such uh, mental health issues in different communities is really important, not just in our community, uh, Muslim community, because we have seen in different newscasts, as well as different social media that, for instance, in other communities like African-American community or Latin community, these things are still not talked about as much and um, people shy away from it. Actually, uh, I heard from, uh, in one of these episodes, um, Recently, I was just, you know, how you scroll on Facebook and things like that. Uh, And uh, I saw some interview with Oprah and she was talking about how she's trying to bring uh, mental health issues in in the African community so that it become as normalized as anything else. And she said uh, she gave an example. She builds these schools in different party, parts of Africa. And she said one of her girls, students who came to the States, she was very liturgic and all of that. And then uh, she told her, I don't feel good. And eventually uh, Oprah was saying, well, maybe you should go check with a psychologist, a therapist. Maybe you have some depressive episodes going on. And the students said, no, I cannot be depressed. I'm African. And that resonated with me because in many of our communities, whether it's a Muslim community or other communities, we do this to ourselves. No, it cannot be depressed. That is as if depression or anxiety just belongs to some sort of community, but it doesn't. It has no... choices. It can come to any of us, right? That
0: completely resonates with me. I think in a lot of minoritized communities, the issue is that we think that issues of depression or anxiety or any form of mental illness belong to the privileged. And this is something that the privileged have the luxury to worry about. And we are simply struggling to survive. And so we can't have that because we're just struggling to survive. But I think our recognition of the issues that we're facing is not taking away from the struggle. It's not, in fact, it's only strengthening struggle that we're engaged in.
1: Right. I mean, that's still, I agree with you. And for instance, when prior to COVID, one in five Americans uh, had some sort of mental illnesses, which means that there's one person with mental illnesses and there are three to four people really caregivers in many different ways. Right. Uh, But after COVID some statistics that I have seen is like two in five that it has increased tremendously. Right. Can you imagine what happened to some people with mental illnesses? Right. So I think it's, this is raising awareness in different communities and you know, because many times the stigma comes from embarrassment, from ways of thinking about, oh, this, like you said, this does not happen to us, or we cannot afford for this to happen to us. Right. But it is not that, it's just the nature of the game. It does happen, and it does happen, um, like... Uh, to For instance, 51.5 million in 2019 had mental illnesses, right? It happens to many, many people. Uh, And therefore, what we really can do is raise awareness on it in all these different communities. It doesn't matter which community it is. We need to be vigilant and active in as many communities as we can. It's not just part of one community or another. Many of us do not know how to deal with it. Many of us are struggling to deal with it. Uh, and hopefully we can in the future as the medical field advance. That's the hope that we have. But it starts with raising awareness and destigmatizing it.
0: So uh, the other thing I wanted to pick up on what you just said was this idea that religion is important. And I think one way to think about it possibly would be to say something like seeking medical professional help does not go against religion. I mean, certainly we do it in the matters of our other aspects of our body other than the mind. And we say God gave us akal, God gave us intelligence, and we are using that intelligence to treat aspects of our of our body that need help. And so seeking medical professional help is not shunning God, if that makes sense.
1: No, I totally agree with you. And it's very interesting that you bring that up because um, there is a meme that actually I really, it summarizes this in a very uh, clever way, which says uh, there's a woman who's sitting down and she says, well, you know how we say, Many times you hear this expression: "Oh, don't talk about depression or anxiety. It's just in your head." So in right. the meeting, it says, "Well, if it's not in my head, where is going? Where else it's going to be in my kidney?" <laughs> it's true. It is in your head. Obviously, it's in your head. But somehow, uh, we seem to to be okay with things that hurt us in in the body, and we seem to be okay with curing them. Right. So. Right. We, uh, If there is cancer or diabetes or things of that nature, we do what we need to do, right? And nobody, um, it's the opposite. People in general will will cheer you on and will be on your side, tell you that you are a survivor, right? Right. you did this cancer or something like that, people will be there to tell you that for diabetes, yes, you have to have your medication along with diet. Uh, But when it comes to mental uh, illness, then it becomes a whole different issue, right? Instead of thinking or looking at people as survivors, some people start looking at them as broken. And also on the other side of the equation for medication. So while medication is looked at positively when it comes to these body diseases, when it comes to the mental health issues, then it becomes a huge problem. No, don't have those medications, right? Right. That's not the way to go, for instance, right? And I think uh, religion or, you know, when we think about religion or the Muslim community in general, I think it's important to remember that the two are not opposites. Just right. the same way that we accept the religion, we accept uh, God's teachings and Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in, in all of these things, while we are being cured and helped in our body, I don't see why our mental health should be any different because it is part of all of us, right?
0: Definitely. Have you found academia to be any bit more supportive when it comes to mental health, whether it's for students or faculty, especially for faculty who have mental health issues, but also for caregivers? So, faculty members who might be caregivers or students who might be caregivers to people with uh, mental health issues.
1: This is a really difficult one, I think, because until, again, I know I have talked about COVID a lot here, but uh, it is important to bring the pre-COVID and post-COVID, hopefully will be post-COVID So,
0: Inshallah.
1: Uh, <laughs> Inshallah. Uh, but I think there was not a lot of talk about mental health prior to that, right? And now that it is something that is uh, more or less in uh, different places, right? Uh, there started to be talks about it. So, for instance, in different universities, I've seen uh, universities are trying to bring uh, things like meditation and things like that, for instance, to, to students and, 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 um, and, and faculty. I have brought, I'm part of a meditation center, Uh, And uh, I have brought some of that to in symposiums to different uh, in different times in our university for faculty and also um, students. I think the issue with academia that uh, when it comes to mental health is that we leave it as a pedestal. We leave it aside from everything else as if our mental health is not part of the whole body and mind, you know, so we, uh, we just focus on knowledge and taking that knowledge without focusing on the other side of it. From what I have read in some research recently, my faculty faculty members, they have been doing a lot of labor, emotional labor. Right. These semesters, this semester and the semester before, because many students don't have a venue to go to. So yes, Yes, universities have counseling systems and counseling centers, but that's not enough because especially when we're going through a pandemic, especially the the increase of these issues are happening more. I mean, the Gen Z is struck with a lot of anxiety. There's a whole slur of things that happened for that to happen, right? But we cannot teach Gen Z without paying attention to their mental health as well. And I think the pandemic has forced us to see that there's something else beyond just knowledge we have to pay attention. And I, I put um, in my uh, canvas, which is a system that we have used since we went online, I put in the modules. I put something called self-care.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, every,
1: every week I have a, a different something about self-care. And usually they include either memes or, uh, or audios or podcasts or videos about uh, ways to deal with mental health issues or ways to uh, deal with, uh, you know, like anxiety or depression. If uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the clinical, obviously, because that's not my specialty, but I just bring different ways of dealing with this. And some of my students said that they actually, it really helped them a lot because before starting the module, so that it's okay to take time for yourself. It's right. okay to be not okay. All the time. So it's, it's important to pay attention to this part as well.
0: 100%. One of the things that you just said that counseling is not enough. I mean, counseling services at universities are so overburdened sometimes. Actually, not just one student, on several occasions, I've had cases where students were seriously depressed. But unless they were immediately suicidal, in which case they were told by counseling services to call 911 unless they were immediately so suicidal, the appointments were like three weeks off. And the person's like, you know, I'm in serious depression right now, this instant. And I don't want to tell this person on the phone that yes, I'm suicidal, because then they'll send cops on me. And I don't want that. Uh, that carries its own dangers. But if you don't say that short of that, the first appointment available is like three weeks out, four weeks out, I mean, that's not the fault of the counselor. It's just that there are not enough certified individuals who can help students in universities going through these issues.
1: Right. And and I mean, 100 percent, I agree with you on that. It's not like casting blame on anybody here. It's just saying that in addition to that, uh, we need different ways and venues to help with what's going on right now and going forward. I'm hoping that what had happened to us uh, in general with this pandemic and our attention to our minds uh, would be something that extends the pandemic in universities, in academia, because many times we don't pay attention to that. And many times that uh, part of us just... um, it's taught to be completely in the shadows until suicides happen and then we say oh my god this happened and then we forget about it right and then we start all over again so I think uh with me raising att- raising awareness it all starts at that particular
0: point so I was wondering if you could give me a, a couple of suggestions, like concrete suggestions that are aimed at systems within academia to improve uh, how we provide support to students and faculty with mental health uh, issues and also for caregivers. Like what would be some sy- uh, systemic changes within how academia functions and not sort of aimed at individuals? So I, I understand that you know raising awareness is oftentimes aimed at individual people Understanding that, hey, this is a really important issue, so the chancellor should understand this, or the provost should understand it, the dean should understand it. But what would be some concrete steps that academia itself can take within the way we teach or within or how we approach the issues of providing support for students and faculty with mental health and to caregivers?
1: So, I mean, uh, I, I'm not, again, an expert on um, these things from a medical field or a clinical, psychological field, right? So it would be difficult for me to talk about it from that perspective. But what I heard from some of my students, for instance, and some of the research that I have done is having classes, having credit classes uh, that uh, address this, that uh, raise awareness on what are symptoms of mental illness, for instance, right? What does that mean to have anxiety? What does that mean to have depression? What does that mean to have uh, psychosis? How do we deal with it? Mm -hmm. Uh, It shouldn't be just part of one psychology degree. It should be part of all our different degrees. We need to have some, at least minimum, some type of uh, either a unit within our Uh, classes or classes all classes themselves that focus on this you know this is what it means to have self-care this is what it means to take care of yourself and your brain and your mind that it's okay that we all come with different brains It, it does not why do we have to call some some typicals and other atypicals, right? Why do we think about some normal and others uh, abnormal or broken, right? Why do we have to uh, uh, say things like use metaphors to describe a diagnosis? Why do we have to say things like stop being schizophrenic, right? Right. Stop being bipolar. Don't be bipolar on me right now, right? Why do we have to say these things? And I think these are things that all come in through education. Um, so so in, in that sense, I think it's very important to bring it in, in the classroom, to bring it in books, in research, uh, all of these venues. For instance, like we, we are working in different universities. We're trying, some people are trying to work on anti-racism, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, which is, Something that needed to happen for a long time, and I'm glad and grateful that is happening right now. And I think part of this conversation of inclusion should include this brain diversity as well. Something that I, I call brain diversity. In other words, that we don't, uh, we all come with different brains that are sometimes sharp, hundred percent, and other times they deal with these different issues and illnesses, et cetera. And we have to be aware of what that means. We don't just cast it away and marginalize it completely as if it's not happening because it is here. And uh, like uh, we were talking about, if it's one in five, one in four people have mental illnesses, that means the rest of us are uh, caregivers. So I, as a caregiver need to know what's going on, need to Uh, understand how can I handle this and have it in educational perspectives and venues, I think it would be helpful not to just the caregivers, but it helps different people from different perspectives, right? Um, and, And I think raising awareness on wordings and vocabulary that should be used and not used that is an important factor i think bringing ways in different academic places not not university honestly it needs to start from the beginning k1 to 12 you know
0: right right
1: start early on uh, where we talk about these things and we don't shy away from them because when we shy away from them when we uh, cast them as a, a, a margin, that's when we start stigmatizing them. But if we make them as normalized as the rights of anything that we have normalized is very important. I mean, think even uh, when um, I brought the issue of anti-racism, I think part of the whole trauma with the black community, for instance, should be part of this whole anti-racism, right? It should be part of all of that. We should not just cast that part away and say, That's
0: just mental health. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You you know what I mean? So, so I think education from the beginning, from, you know, K1 to 12, all the way to the university, is very important to think about these issues and start, begin to actually normalize them in a way that we don't use them just as insults. Excellent. I really
0: appreciated A lot of the stuff resonated with me. Uh, I have seen some good changes at the current university I'm at. For example, that day you were saying uh, how Words Matter changed uh, our uh, office for support was called Disability Support Services, but now they call it Access. So it just provides an equitable access to all students. And that goes along the lines of the thing that you just said about, first of all, using correct terminology, but also Making it a matter of just neurodiversity or brain diversity, as you called it, which is that hey, build your syllabi, build your classrooms, build build things around you to be equitable and accessible for all people, as opposed to thinking having this mindset of providing quote unquote accommodations for for the majority. You have to think about providing accessibility and uh, and equitable access.
1: Uh, I think that. It's important to be uh, involved, and uh, if not an advocate for mental health, from all of us, I think if it's not, it shouldn't be just something that is uh, focused on person who has a kid with mental health issues or mental illnesses, because uh, all of us are somehow involved here uh, with um, you know neurodiversity or a- any of it. Uh, if we don't have a student we have a kid if we don't have a kid we have a brother if we don't have a sibling we we have a coworker you know right. people have to a large extent been hidden so that others don't say bad things about them and i think that has to stop we should not hide people should not hide who they are just because others are stigmatizing them that stigma needs to stop
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing all your expertise that you've gathered through your life experiences uh, as a caregiver. I really appreciate
1: it. Thank you, Salaam. Thank you for having me today.
0: Thank you. Assalamualaikum.
1: Alaikum. Sana.